Welcome to Damn Mom, Really? Which is a podcast that seeks to shed light on grief and open up a conversation about a topic that is often avoided. Again, this is a space for people who have either experienced the loss of a mother or a mother figure, and I am so excited to fellowship with you guys. The contents of these episodes is up to the discretion of both my guests and myself, and I can trust that they are telling the truth just as much as I am, as it feels right for them. Also, noting that the subject matter can potentially be heavy or triggering, we have included a six-minute cool-down meditation by Liliana Rasmussen at the end of this episode for your pleasure. And this soundscape is brought to you by Scott Reed Jr. What's up, y'all? My name is Danae, as y'all should know by now, and this is my podcast, Damn Mom, really, the podcast that nobody wants to be on and everybody wants to listen to. And today I have here with me Wilton, and can I just say, y'all, Wilton deserves all the snaps and claps, one, for just being here, but I can't tell you how hard this man worked to get here today, so shout out to him. I know this is about to be a really great episode. Wilton, how are you doing today? First things first. I'm good. How are you? Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I am alive and doing my best, but I'm super excited to be here with you on this. What is today? Monday? Monday evening? It feels like it's already Thursday, Friday. That's how my week is going. But I'm super excited to top off this Monday, this hectic Monday with you. So before we get into it, tell the folks a little bit about yourself, where you're from, what you do, whatever you want to share. I fake hate talking about myself. but um, <laughs> fake hate, yeah. Yeah, so I'm from Brooklyn, New York, East Flatbush area. What do I do? I'm a program manager at a anti-gun violence nonprofit called Project Echo. Mm. That's empowering communities through healing and opportunities. Okay. Um, that's also in the East Flatbush area. Wow. So, I mean, if we're talking about you working in gun violence and mitigating that, then obviously you're kind of surrounded by this whole topic of grief. It seems to be something that comes up a lot in that line of work. Would you say that's correct? Yeah, 100%. One, one, not even 100%, 1,000%. Okay, um, okay. So in the midst of you trying to sort of understand and deal with your own grief, what is it like for you to be surrounded by so many other people that are grieving in such heavy ways? I mean, for the most part, for the most part, because I'm on like the anti-gun violence side, like I'm mostly dealing with trying to prevent young men from making some of the same mistakes that myself and my friends and people I know have made. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not too heavily, co- heavily concentrated with okay. like dealing with, um, survivors on like a daily basis, mm-hmm. but definitely do it's, it's, I think it, I think it, it's a bit therapeutic. It's almost to me, like, I guess your podcast, mm. right? Like how like talking to other people kind of like helps you deal with, you know, grief yourself. Yeah. I think it's kind of like the same thing. It's something about attempting or being a healer that helps you heal too and also it can show you things about yourself that you may not have even realized you hadn't dealt with or focused on so I think it definitely does help in the growth and in um, the healing process in different ways right right that thank you for that so being in that space I guess then how did how did occupying that space sort of show you that you might not have dealt with the grief of your mom or losing your mom in the way that you thought you might have? Uh, well, I mean, first and foremost, really learning about trauma mm. and dealing with people that are impacted by trauma 
and then having to teach them ways on how to deal with the trauma and how to not just deal with it, but to recognize it. Sure. Uh, people dealing with PTSD and not knowing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, like I said, having to teach them on how to recognize what they're going through, um, emotions and that kind that sort of thing. I think that it really, it kind of holds up a mirror to yourself. Yeah. It's like you talking to people about these things, but you know, as you're talking, it's like, wait, hold on. I don't think I might have dealt with that myself or, or mm. I don't think I even thought about that. Right. I don't even think I recognize that. Right. So I think that, that that that's mostly. The- yeah. And I think, you know, I regardless of how somebody passes, I think it's always traumatic. But I think that sometimes people kind of forget that losing somebody, regardless of if it was like a gradual loss or just suddenly, it is a traumatic thing that does cause PTSD. You have people who are scared of hospitals. You have people who are scared of ambulances. You have people who are scared of EMTs, police officers. And, you know, I'm not even going to get into that. Um, But yeah, you have a lot of trauma surrounding these sort of events that people don't realize because when you hear the word trauma, you think of something that um, physically like happens to you. Uh, But it's not always a physical thing. It could be something that you saw, something that you witnessed, or again, dealing with the loss of somebody you love to that magnitude, or even somebody that you had a complicated relationship, you know, that you, I I don't know. I think that, you know, trauma, I've learned a lot about it in the past year and some change since losing my mom, because, you know, like I was just saying, I think that for me, I was a person who was like, okay, well, I haven't experienced this, 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 this. So, you know, trauma is in a, in a, in a box, it's in a vacuum. And I think that losing my mom for a myriad of reasons, um, is a really traumatic experience for me that, you know, I don't even fully understand myself. Cause for me, it's only been like a year, four months, 16 days. I know like I have the countdown. Yeah. That's how it'd be though. I used to have the countdown too. Yeah. When does it stop? Yeah. When does it stop? Um, like counting down, like to that exact. I don't know. I can't tell you exactly when I stopped counting down to like the exact amount of like days and stuff. But mm-hmm. um, I can tell you that from time to time, like I probably just said this the other day. Like it's about to be so like November twelfth will make nine years. Wow. And I was like, I forgot what I was thinking about, but I was like, damn, my mom really been gone for like not for nine years. That's crazy. Mm. Right? So I don't know if I don't know if it ever really stops. Yeah. I'll still have instances sometimes like when I'll see somebody like on the street, somebody walking with their mom. Yeah. Right. And I'll just, you know, be like, damn, it made me think about it. and I'll be like, yo, she's really not here no more. Mm. You know me or something like that. Well, I'll just I don't know. Just something in passing, a thought may cross my mind, and I'll just be sitting there, I catch myself just like, yo, she's really gone. Like, yeah. damn, that's crazy. Right. So, I don't know. I don't know. I can't answer that when it stops. <laughs> I yeah. Be going through it. No, yeah. yeah. I, I had a similar moment to that today. I was walking to my friend's house, and the interesting thing about grief is like it sits like right on your shoulder until it decides to smack you in your face and it's out of nowhere. It like it could be a song or it could just be a feeling or it could just be like you're thinking about it too much. And I had a moment like that earlier and I was like like you like damn this is really crazy. Like my mom really ain't here. How is that even possible? How am I still here? And, you know, I had my little shed of tears and I I bossed up and went to my friend's house, but I relate to that 
already really heavily. So knowing that nine years in, I'm still going to feel that way is kind of, it's kind of crazy. But I also think that there's something really beautiful about grief and the fact that you do love somebody so much that they are so much a part of your life. And it's hard to believe that so much time has passed without them like physically, like existing in your face. Yeah, I definitely think so. I remember, um, cause what happened was my mom, she basically had a brain aneurysm. Oh, I'm sorry. So, yeah, so a blood vessel burst in her brain and she went into a coma. Mm-hmm. So I remember when I was told and I had to go to the hospital, like, um, I remember, I think I made a post, I think it was Facebook. Yeah. And I was like, just pray for my mom because I don't even know what I would do. Mm-hmm. Right? So I can definitely identify with that. Like, it was just, I mean... Just even the thought of it then, of like losing her, was like, bro, what am I going to do with myself? I don't know how I would be able to even navigate those kind of waters, like, you know? So, um, yeah, I definitely do identify and feel that. How long did it take you to feel like you were capable of existing without her here? Wow, that's a good question. Um, I'll be honest. I think that, not even I think. I know I basically buried it mm. like um like my my friends we were talking about it the other day actually me and one of my um close friends and when my mom went into the coma from the day she went into the coma to the day she passed to like so my mom's passing over we pulled the plug November 12th and um it was probably till like I don't know some day in like end of January or something like nah maybe the beginning of January middle of January yeah where I was basically smoking like a quarter of weed mm. and I'll be dropping I'll be copping a, um, a bottle of a 50 of Patron and a Clico wow. every day every day so every day every day my, me and my friends was really talking about it and I think what actually made me even realize it was one day I looked at my bank account and I was like yo what I'd really be spending my money on I started going through it and I started seeing how many purchases was at the liquor store on a daily basis and I was like yo I am wow. bugging yeah I was like yo I'm bugging and um, my friend was like yeah I wanted to tell you but I already knew what you was going through so I ain't even say nothing you know so Honestly and truthfully, like that was the beginning of like my self medication. Yeah. And I think I um I think I know I self medicated for a while. So I would only really allow myself to really like feel and like even dwell on it on like the day she passed away and on her birthday. Mm. Like that would be the only time I would really allow myself to even really like think about not even not think about her but you know what i'm saying like to really yeah, dwell like, on it, it. And, yeah. yeah so those would be the days that i would really mourn like um i would really like i pretty much dedicated those i think i still do it i yeah. dedicate like those two days to her yeah. and like i allow myself to kind of um go through it i think um the first time i really uh, outside of that just allowed myself to just Phil was probably last year, December. So right. at, it took eight years for you to... Yeah, it took about, yeah, eight years for me to really just allow myself to just... Because it wasn't like... It was December. I mean, I had a couple things going on. 
And then I don't know what it was, but I just threw my headphones on. I was think I was listening to that song Rihanna dropped for the um the Black Panther movie. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, and I just allowed myself to just, like, cry and just feel, like, you know, and just think about her, think about everything that I've been through since she passed. And I then I started to realize how I was picking up certain habits and doing certain things just to cover for that loss. Right. So, um. Yeah, it probably took me about eight years, I guess you could say, to even get to that kind of a place. So what but do it was, you... And it, Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, nah, I was going to say, and I think it was really more of a... Like, cause like, how, like how I said it, I made that post. Like, I don't know what I would do. Yeah. I think that I was afraid to really face it. Like, yeah. the pain, like, the true pain of it. Like, I felt it when it first happened. Like, I was feeling That's why I would drink and smoke so much. Because, you know, once you're drunk, it kind of numbs the pain. Yeah. So I think that I was afraid to really feel that pain, like, and really feel that loss. So, mm. you know, we, we it's like, I heard you say it, too. Like, you know, you cried for a little bit and you bossed up. Yeah. So we tell ourselves, like, yo, nah, I got I to gotta be this tough strong individual and I got to keep pushing and, and this, that, and the third. And so I'm pretty sure that's pretty much what I was doing. But, um, yeah, I, I just had to, I just had to face it because I knew that if I didn't, I just wasn't going to heal properly. So for me, I think the beginning of the healing process really began in like December. So do you think that in the world that we live in, we have the space to not have this mindset where we feel like we have to boss up? Because I really don't feel like we have much space to feel our feelings. It's like even though you know your friends are there for you, you know the people that are around you love and support you, the first thing in my head at least is like, I'm not about to show up to my friend's house crying. Like, I'm not about to... And it's not that it's something that I'm afraid of. It's not that vulnerability is something that I'm scared of. It's just kind of like nobody can say anything. Yeah, definitely, definitely that. I think... um. I think also we aren't really taught how to really be there for like each other. Mm-hmm. Like we aren't really taught like that kind of thing growing up. Like, especially as, especially for boys, especially yeah. for boys. Like we're taught that, you know, you got to man up, you got to keep pushing. Like you can't let nothing bring you down. You got to stay 10 toes down. You got to keep the pedal to the metal or gas, no brakes, yeah. you know? So and then I think also, um, yeah, like you said, and I really did, I really did feel like, like, what is anybody going to tell me that's going to make me feel better? You know, yeah. like, what are you really going to say? Like, the only thing that's going to make me feel better is if I wake up one morning and find out that this was just a really bad dream, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So, um, nah, I don't really think, and I think you kind of, kind of, kind of got to look for it. And then it's also about finding a space that works for you. Yeah. Right? Because not every space is fitting. Right. So I think it's also about, um, yeah, finding a space that works for you. Okay. And I do know some people that have, like, their tribe. I guess they, they kind of did know how to help with that kind of thing. Um, right. I mean, I have friends that kind of tried. You know, but like I said, there's only so much they can say or do that are really, you know, provide some sort of comfort 
Yeah, I don't, but I don't. I think speaking in general, nah, I don't think that there's a. My bad. Speaking in general, I don't think that there's really like a um generalized space for that in the world and in life. I think we, like I said, we're really taught to just push through these kind of things and and somewhat take it on the chin. As a black man, I'm really happy that you brought that up because I've had people who are interested in coming on the show but thought that I didn't take black men for some reason or men in general. And I'm like, why would you think that? That's not anything that I ever said. Um, But I think that this idea that men, specifically black men, have to um, patronize patriarchy in a way that uh, they can't exist outside of like the confines of this like masculine idea that you can't feel anything or you can't be open about your feelings. Is that something that you dealt with heavily when you first lost your mom? Like, did you feel like you couldn't, I know that you said for yourself, for your own self-preservation that you sort of self-medicated so that you didn't feel things, but did you feel any societal pressures to also not exist in the realm of sadness or vulnerability? And if so, how did you get out of that space um nah I can't really say I felt any like societal pressures if anything it was just the the pressure just to keep going like to like you can't sit down and just be sad and just sit there and just like cry all day like you got to get up and you got to keep going because life life goes on I think that was one of the um I think that was one of the most hurtful parts and I think you feel it anytime you lose somebody because like you feel like um Life is supposed to, like, it's like, yo, damn, like, for, it's almost like for you, life's just stopped, right? Yeah. But for everybody else, like, you watching people living, and it's like, yo, y'all not mourning? Yeah. Like, you feel me? Like, y'all not, y'all not sad? Why y'all not sad? Like, don't y'all know my mom's ain't here no more? Like, y'all mm-hmm. supposed to be crying. Y'all supposed to be feeling this with me. Mm-hmm. So I think, if anything, it was just a societal pressure to, and especially as a man, Um, so, like, my mom, at that point in time, like, I was, I was still in school. Um, I was still in college and like, I wasn't even working because my mom really just wanted me to focus and like in finish school. school. Yeah. I had played around a bit. So mm-hmm. she was like, listen, I'll help you out as much as I can. Don't worry about a job. You know, I already give you a place to live. I give you food. I give you all that. Mm-hmm. I hope you were close and all that, but just, just focus and you almost done. Just focus and get it done. So like I wasn't really working and all that, so for me it was like, damn, she's going now. Well, I gotta figure this out, you know, cause ain't nobody gonna give me nothing out here. She's the only person that used to really hold me down in in any aspect for real, for real. So it's like I gotta go get it now. So yeah. I didn't really, if anything, I didn't really feel like I had time, or I had the the um the ability or the luxury of being able to just stop and feel and you know I felt like I had to keep 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 pushing yeah yeah so understanding that it's been about nine years it'll be nine years I remember you saying on November 12th what's the difference between your understanding of grief now versus when you first experienced the loss of your mom or the loss of anybody honestly um what's my understanding of grief now that it that it that it comes to everybody that it's no, it's um, it's it's a part of life almost. Yeah. Um, I think that cause I cause after my mom passed, I think the next cause I lost I've lost I can't even tell you how many friends I've lost. 
I've lost a lot of friends and I lost a lot of friends and basically like four years after or three and a half years after something mm. like that. After my mom's past, I lost my best friend. He was a victim of gun violence. Oh, and wow. I realized that like with me, what happens is if I lose somebody close to me, I begin to adopt traces of them or pieces of them. Okay. And I guess the pieces of them that I held on to the most or that endeared to me the most, I would adopt those pieces. And I feel like that was like my way of trying to keep them alive. Sure. So um, I think that's what I kind of learned through grief that um, when we lose somebody, we try to find ways and, you know, to, to, to keep not just their memory alive, but to keep feeling them. Right. right. So for me, it was adopting pieces of them. Like, you know, mm. I, I, don't, I don't know if that answers your question. No, it does. I, you know, with these, they're so open-ended that it's kind of just like whatever feels right to you is whatever feels right to you. I think that that was a beautiful answer. And it made me smile because I recently had a conversation with somebody who uh, reminded me of how many pieces of people we love we take with us, whether they're here or not, but especially for people who we lose. And you really do become a walking sort of memorial for those lives that are no longer physically here because you do carry traces of them and you do remind people of them, especially when it's somebody who carried you like your mother. It's like, Oh, people see you. That's become the, my favorite compliment when people are like, Oh, you remind me of your mom. I'm like, Oh shit. Okay. Period. Like, I love that for me, you know? So it's so funny that you said that. Cause I recently had that conversation and it's true. What would you say that your favorite part of your mom is that you've taken with you? I'm trying to figure out a way to put it into words. So my mom was, um, like she was really non-judgmental. Okay. Right, not she was very non-judgmental and also she was extremely like calm. Like mm. and and just peaceful. Like I think mm. and I think that what happens with me is like I take I take the those pieces and I adopt them to the extreme. So like okay. before my mom passed, I was always the type of person to meet confrontation with aggression. Okay. Right. Like I would, you know, and I think like after that, like I kind of started to shy away from it. Mm. Right? Like I became a little bit more peaceful and I felt like I, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of things that I responded differently than I okay. would have before. Sure. But then when my best friend, um, Casper got killed, like, I, I don't know that aggression came back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then I had to consciously tell myself like to, to tone it down, kind of, or to, to try to tone it down. I, I considered it trying to teach myself to humble myself in a lot of situations. Mm. But um, I think, oh, actually, I lied. What I would say I got most from her, I guess you could say empathy. I mean, I was always empathetic before, but, like, she just had this way of just feeling for people, right, mm. and feeling for what people is going through and just trying to almost be there for everybody. That was my character before, too. I think I definitely got that from her, but yeah. it just... It came it, it came to the forefront, you know, like when when that happened. And so um that and just trying not to judge people, trying to um I yeah. think that's probably what I have to say. Yeah. Okay. And I was actually gonna bring up your best friend, um, because you said you lost your best friend four years after you lost your mom. 
Yeah, like uh, three, four years, yeah. Okay. Uh, I was going to ask you, you know, like, did losing your best friend bring up any unresolved things that you had felt in, like, regards to your mom? And obviously, I know that it's, like, a continuous process, but that grief that you felt for your best friend, was it compounded by the loss of your mom, or were you able to compartmentalize those two things? Mm, that's a really good question. Um, I think there were, there were times when it was actually it probably made it worse because um like my mom my mom was my other best friend right mm-hmm. like my mom mm-hmm. knew everything about me there wasn't anything about me my mom didn't know there wasn't anything we couldn't talk about mm-hmm. so like losing losing her was like you know it was like a blow and crazy yeah. thing is he was he was locked up when when she passed away and like mm-hmm. i remember him writing me and saying, like, I wish I was, I wish I was, I wish I wasn't locked up so I could be there for you, Ooh. right? So, like, this was really like I call him my best friend, but it was really my brother. I only, actually, right. I feel like I'm doing doing our relationship an injustice to call him my best friend. This was my brother, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, I think when he passed, it was it was definitely compounded because it was like, well, damn. <laughs> Like who would I talk to about certain things now? Or you feel me? Who do I like? Who do I trust the same? Or who do I have that type of connection with to make me, you know, feel like this person unconditional love? I mm. think you can say you know like yeah. I can only I can only even remember him and I having like one disagreement. We only ever. had one disagreement like ever. And we probably wow. knew each other when we were like 14, 15 or something like that, somewhere around those ages. And we only had one disagreement and it, <laughs> and we ended up making up because I went to check his mom one day and he called her phone. And so she like, oh yeah, Ricky here. And so he like, give him the phone. So I took the phone. I'm like, what happened? And he like, so you going to come to the hood and you're not going to check me? Oh. And so I got my teeth and I'm like where you at (laughs) I'm like all right I'm pulling up on you and like after that we never you know so like to to lose both those bonds like two strong bonds like that you know unconditional love where you know this person got your back they know you got their back I think I think him dying just kind of compounded it and so like I probably felt even more alone Mm. you know wow i mean in this it sounds like you have other friends but how did you find a support system and also how did i think i kind of had have a general understanding of how you know your work with gun violence plays into this but how did those two things kind of give you a support system uh or the support system that you needed or did they i'll be honest with you I don't know if I ever really found a support system. Like mm-hmm. I with my mom. I don't know if I ever really found actually I'm lying. Um I'm not lying, but I'm um uh, it's 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 a bit of a stretch to say never. Um okay. so before um Casper Marquise, before he even passed away, so one of the first people I called when I heard about um my mom being in a coma, I got the news and I had to go to the hospital. One of the first people I called, persons I called was his mom. Okay. And she was doing laundry and she left her laundry in the washing machine and mm. followed me 
to the hospital, right? Wow. And so, like, this Mother's Day, I made a post. Hold on, I'm going to read it to you because I don't, don't want to do it any injustice. I made a post this Mother's Day, and I posted her, and I said, I really need y'all to see the hot date I had today. Mother's Day isn't easy for either of, either of us since I lost my mom and she lost her son. And while we can never replace either of them, I'm grateful to call her mom and have her call me son. Mm. So what ended up happening was like and I've and I've gotten ex- extremely close with his sister too. Okay. okay. Since his passing. Yeah. So I think that like I said you can never replace those people. Right. But I think we have found ways to find solace in each other and find okay. comfort in each other. A lot yeah. of times like they both will say to me like I might say something or I may do something. And they'd be like, yo, you, like, that's, that's so, like, basically, that's something Marquise would do, or that's something Casper would do, or Casper would say, or that reminds me of him, you know? Yeah. So, um, outside of that, so I think, I, I think I'd say that if anything, they became kind of my, like, my support system. But outside of that, I can't really say I had, can't really say I had much of a support system, if I'm being honest. Like, I, like, I, that's why I said, I, especially after Casper passed, I just felt alone. And I remember actually, I don't remember if I was praying in December, or I was talking to my mom, maybe a combination of the two, but I remember just saying that, like, yo, I've been alone for so long. Like, right. I've been holding it down by myself for so long with nobody to, you know, really kind of hold me up kind of thing. Um, I, yeah, I mean, there were people that, there were people in, like, in spurts, like, you okay. know, that, like, you know, and like I said, because... I think when I lost my mother, I used to um I tried to fill that void a lot with different women, mm-hmm. right? So, but some women I would take to more than others, right? Yeah. And so um there were a couple of good ones that were able that kind of tried to understand and like that were able to um give give love and comfort at different times when I needed it. Maybe just yeah. what they would say or even a hug or maybe taking me out to eat or something. You know, but for the most part, I felt alone. I'm not even going to lie. For the most yeah. part, I felt alone outside of um, Sam and um, Casper, Mar- Marquis Mom. Yeah. So having this conversation with you is like opening up some a lot of things for me. I'm the only girl in my family. It's like I have a brother and I have all boy cousins. And I think that I understand them really well. But I think that the older I get, the more I'm realizing that there's a lot of complexities to men that I just don't get. And so even hearing you talk about the things that really helped you after the fact, you know, with people that might've been your partners at the time, or might've been people that you're seeing, what would you say is like a blind spot that people miss as it pertains to black men dealing with grief or sadness or depression, or, I mean, just existing in the world as men. I mean, I think along with any of our traumas, we're taught to we're taught to um bury it and keep it pushing. So, I don't know if it's yeah. I came so so I say we definitely wear a lot of masks. I yeah. said I know I do, right? Mm. And I think that the world forgets like sometimes we just need a hug or to be mm. held. Like I know I know that definitely. Like my mom's was super affectionate. Mm-hmm. right like super affectionate like even when she was alive and I was in college she would if she knew I had school in the morning she'd come and she used to do this to me from when I was a child she would she would wake up she would wake me up by like pulling my toes oh. cracking my toes right <laughs> and like she just any any chance she got to be affectionate she was 
Right. Yeah. So I think that like I can't remember the last time I thought it because like I said, we bury these things, but sometimes like when I'm thinking about her or something, I'll be like, damn, I just need a hug. You feel me? Or I wish I could just get a hug. You know? So yeah. um Yeah, I think that um like like we were talking about just those safe spaces. I don't think there's really any safe space for black men. For real, for real. Like, I know that there are people that are trying to create them now. I know, like, even myself, I'm trying to create them now. But, yeah. um, I almost said a nigga. Sorry, you're going to have to cut that out. Sometimes, <laughs> a, um, sometimes a man, sometimes a brother just need a hug. You mm. feel me? Like, somebody to just, like, I know that it, I remember telling this this girl I was talking to, I think I had, laid between like you know how like you she'll lay like a girl laying on her she was laying on the bed and i just came and laid like between her legs with like my head on her chest and mm-hmm. she kind of just like wrapped her arms around me and was just rubbing my back and it was just like i told her later on like yo that was the most at peace i felt in a long time like i can't wow. remember somebody some the last time somebody just tried to like hold me mm-hmm. right and it's like it's like damn like when was the last time somebody just tried to like hug me and just like you know? And there'd be times when I'd be um, with somebody I'm talking to or whatever, and I'd be like, "Yo, can you rub my back?" And it got to the point. At first, I never used to do that, right? I never yeah. used to act. I used to feel like, "Yo, I shouldn't have to ask for this or whatever." And then it just became like now it's at the point where it's like, "Yo, if I need my back rub, and we supposed to be talking, and you here with me, yo, I'm gonna ask like, "Yo, can you just rub my back?" And it's not even like a massage. It's just the feeling of somebody rubbing your back. It's like you're not seeing anything, but it's feeling like, "Yo, don't worry, you got this. Everything is gonna be okay." Right? So I think that um, I think a lot of black men could use that. Mm. That, that comfort, that reassurance, just the um, yeah. What Jay Z? Jay Z got a ball. He says, "Sensitive thugs, you all need hugs." <laughs> mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think a lot of black brothers really just need to be hugged and just need to feel some love for real, for real. Wow. Well, I know what the soundbite for this episode is gonna be. Um, thank you for that. Wow. No, I feel that, and I I appreciate that insertion into the conversation because you're right, like. And we talked about this earlier, there really are no words, but sometimes it really is just about the simple action of a hug because there is a certain security and there's a certain softness and a tenderness that, you know, nobody's nobody's going to give you the affection that your mom can give you or will give you. But I think that having somebody to be there in that way for you to just feel somebody's embrace. Like somebody cares. It's again, it's never going to be your mom, but something about it is very much like, okay, you know, I know that nobody could potentially love me like my mom, but like, at least I know somebody loves me enough to care about what I need in this moment. So I feel that that's really valid. Thank you for that. No problem. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm really enjoying this conversation. You're so lovely. Thank you. So you, you, have, you have such a beautiful smile. Thank you. Now you yeah. make me feel still. Ah, <laughs> <Thank> stop. <laughs> no, no. But but I mean, like everything that you're saying is I think is so relevant. And again, I'm really honored to share this space with you in such like a vulnerable and honest way because it is hard. Like these aren't easy conversations to have. And, you know, I mean it is it is it is extremely brave, regardless of whether you're talking about what you expect from partner. I don't think that anybody's really addressed that on the show. Like 
what what a man needs from his female partner in the midst of again like i mean we're talking about grief but the world in general is is sad like we're kind of grieving all the time and doing our best to i guess just keep going and you know you've been going for 9 years which feels like forever to me like that sounds like a long time so when you do get back in your bag, when you do get in those those moods, like I just I I can't do it. I I need my mom here. Like how do you? I know we're talking about pushing through and perseverance, and but how do you push through by but also honor the fact that you are feeling such heavy emotions? Um, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie. I think I like I definitely do still bury it. Yeah. Like especially like if I'm out in public and like I see something or something reminds me of my mom or something and like I just be like, yo, I can't even like, I can't even deal with this right now. Like mm-hmm. kinda like the last time, um and then like I think and I think especially for me too, because um like I would say for the past nine years, like I really been trying to get on my feet. Yeah. Right. Like to really just get the ball rolling the way that I see myself, you know, making moves and just making things happen. And I think, not even I think, finally this year, things are finally going the way I'd like them to go, like all across the board for the most part. Uh-huh. And so I know one of the first things I did think was, damn, I wish, I wish I could tell her. Like, I wish she could see it. But I said, like, I did say to myself, like, I was like, yo, I know she would be proud. You mm-hmm. feel me? I did say that like I might have said it out loud like yo I don't know how this works if you in heaven looking down or you feel me if you somewhere in the room right now or whatever but I just know you'd be proud of me right now like if you if you was able to see all that I made it through in spite of um you know everything that has happened like because it wasn't just that like I said black men go through a lot we don't speak about right and the world the world is kind of it's a little tough and rough on us you know black Mm -hmm. women too but Black men, I can't, I can, I can only really speak for, you know, not me for right. me, but black men, like, um, the world is really rough on us. I, I went to jail, like, there was just a lot of different things, like, you know, I was incarcerated for a bit that it was just like, I wish mommy was here, but I got to put that out of my head and I got to, you know, persevere through this, right? Mm-hmm. So now that I'm finally seeing the light and entering the light on the other, on the other side of the tunnel. It's just like, like, I guess I just now just got it in my mind. Like, yo, she would be proud. You yeah. feel me? And I think I just keep telling myself that like, yo, she would be proud. Like, yo, if she was here, she would be proud. Yo, you got this. Yeah. Just keep going. You feel me? Kind of thing. Yeah. I had a moment with my therapist the other week and she asked me how I think that my mom would feel about what I'm doing right now and, and what her thoughts would be. And that was, I said that very thing. I'm like, I, I know my mom would be proud of me. And that in turn like for me that's enough for me to feel proud of me like even if the things that I thought were insignificant or didn't matter or was some itty bitty bs like you know because we tend to gloss over or look over our accomplishments as not big deals but it's like when you look at it when you take a step back look at it and you're like oh damn I know my mom would be proud of me for me I'm like oh, okay yeah I did that and period and I definitely think she'd be proud of you too Oh, thank you. And same to you, Wilton. It sounds, you know, like we only kind of got just a glimpse of your story. I can't even like you just keep dropping these things. I'm like, oh, my God, I wish I could talk to you all day. What the hell? Um, 
but unfortunately I can't and we are about to be at the end of our time before I let you go though is there anything else that you wanted to talk about or that might have been on your mind that we didn't get to nah like I came I came into this this is the first time I've even spoken about my mother like this in such a public setting to be very mm. honest with you I might have said yeah. little things to people every now and then um, but in definitely this public setting, especially where people, other people are going to hear it. This is the first time. Mm-hmm. So I kind of just came into a, came into this with an open mind and I was yeah. kind of like, I'll just let the host do her thing. And then whatever questions she asks me, I'll try and do my best to um, answer them. But I mean, I just say to anybody that's going through it, like, first of all, I was going to commend you for getting a therapist. Right. Thanks. Yeah. I needed it. I still haven't done that. And I needed it then. And I, I need it now. So actually, I'm probably gonna look into that this week. But um, um I love that. amazing. But yeah, just try to find some constructive ways. Try to find ways to keep their memories alive. To let allow them to live through you. Allow yourself to feel and embrace the grief, but also just trust your own process, right? Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't recommend for anybody to bury it like I did because it only makes you angry. It only yeah. brings out the, the 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 bad side of the grief, right? right. So. I would say just find some ways and find a tribe, find some people and don't be afraid to tell people what you need. Like, especially if people want to be in your life, you got to tell them what you need. Right. Because people sometimes they'll try to help you how they see fit. But you got to tell them what you need so that they can provide. See if they can provide that help for you. Hmm. I, I, I know I said I was about to let you go and I am. But do you think it's possible to not bury those feelings? Like, do you think it's possible to feel them fully? Or do you think that the burying is a, a part of the process that you just can't avoid? Because I feel like everybody I talk to, no matter how open they are, I'm a, I'm really open and vulnerable. But even still, I'm like, damn, you know, I started the show by saying I was about to cry and then I bossed up, you know? So do you think that that's something that's possible to avoid? I mean... I think that a lot of times because of, you know, where we are at times when, when these things hit us, mm-hmm. you know, we feel like we can't, you know, but if you, if, if you can get somewhere and just kind of like let it out, do it. Like I really, especially now that I'm in the field that I'm in and doing the work that I'm doing, I try my best to tell people that um, emotions are, it's just a human trait. Mm-hmm. Right. It's we we're no no one is immune to emotions. No one is immune yeah. to sadness. No, no one is immune to hunger. No one mm-hmm. is immune to pain like that. It, it comes to us all. Right? It makes yeah. us who we are. The thing is to not allow your emotions to control you. Right. Mm-hmm. You got to kind of find ways to keep your emotions in check. Right. So I'd say. Because of how we've been taught. Right. It's the concept of not burying things seems mm-hmm. foreign, right? Yeah. But it's just like with any uncomfortable or uncharted ground in life, you know, growth is uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. So you got to kind of allow yourself to go. That's why I said you got to trust your process, but you got to yeah. allow yourself to go through the process. I feel like I was fighting my process for a long time. And because of that, I wasn't even really able to heal, right? right. And I still know that because... Like, even today, like, as we talking right now in certain parts, I could feel it. Mm. Like, I could feel it. I could feel it like, yo, I could cry right now. Like, just mm. talking about this, just thinking about it, just feeling these emotions, just even thinking about processing them, even thinking about what I went through. Like, it's like, I could cry right now if I allowed myself to really, like, get into it. You know? Like, yeah. yeah, like, get into it. But because I'm like, 
Yo, you got something to do and just keep your composure. Like, we really coach ourselves through these things. Like, we really don't even realize, but it's in our subconscious, right? We tell this thing to kids from, from they small. A little boy falls on the floor. He starts crying. You tell him, get up. Stop crying. Shake that off, right? Nah, yeah. allow him to get hurt, right? Allow him to know that it is a part of life. Things will hurt. You yeah. cry about it. And once you start to feel better, you move on. Right. But you don't have to rush your process. I think a lot of times we rush our processes, especially when it comes to grief. Nobody wants to feel pain. Nobody yeah. wants to feel sad. Nobody wants to feel hurt. Right. Some mm -hmm. people thrive off of anger, but nobody really wants to be angry. We all want to right. be happy. Yeah. Right. But there's a process to get to that happiness and you can't cheat the process. That's what I'm definitely that's what I've definitely learned. You cannot cheat the process. So no, you, um, you kind of just got to go through it. Yeah, come on now. I'm sorry. I did say it. This is really the last thing. I swear. Nah, you Gucci. I don't even. Nah, you Gucci. I'm not in no rush to go. Okay? I, really, I really, I'm not making it to the gym tonight. So I was just like, after this, I'm gonna just take myself out to get something to eat and go get a good At, meal. You deserve it. Like you said, these aren't easy conversations to have, and there's certain times in the conversation where. I'm like, oh, damn, I could cry right now. There's certain times when I'm talking about my mom. I'm like, oh, damn, I really could cry right now. And you, like you said, you coach yourself through it. Um, but I wanted to go back to what you said because you said this is the first time you're speaking about this in such a public way on a public forum. I wanted to know what prompted your decision to be a part of this today. Um, in, my, in my personal life, like in my life, period, like how I live, for real, for real, like I'm really just trying to be the best version of myself that I can be. Right. Sure. And not just that, but I'm hoping that through my story and I've come a long way <laughs> from mm. where I used to be. Right. Yeah. So I'm just hoping that I can be an example to people, period. You know, and, and also I want to let people know, like, yo, like I said, this isn't this isn't strange to anybody. Um, mm -hmm. I remember. Did. Yeah, everybody kind of goes through this, right? And I remember I have a friend, um, my man Jason Bravo, we call him Bravo. Mm -hmm. I remember when Bravo's mom passed, right? And Bravo's mom and my mom were friends, right? Okay. Um, and for some reason, I don't even remember why, but I wasn't even able to go to his mom's funeral. Yeah. But I remember, like, I remember when my mom passed, he was one of the first people I thought about because I was like, damn, I wasn't there for my mans. Yeah. Because I didn't understand. Mm -hmm. And I was just so focused on just everything that I had going on and just, you know, trying to get my, my, my life together and my ish together and all that, that I didn't even, I couldn't even comprehend. And I didn't even try to put myself in, in the headspace to comprehend what it was he yeah. was going through. But if I did, I would have done things way differently, right? I would yeah. have tried to be there a whole lot more, you know, because I get it and I and I understand. And so, um, for me, like I said, for me now, it's just like, so I'm hoping that somebody's friend that, that, you know, so the friend of somebody that lost their mother would be like, damn, so that's what they're going through. You know what? Yo, maybe I should just give them a hug. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe I should just try to even open up that space to have a conversation, to allow them to grieve and talk about things. Sometimes we just need to talk through our feelings. Right. Yeah. And even if you talk through it and the tears come out allow them to fall, right? And then give them that hug, rub their back, give them that comfort that they do need because they need it, right? Because yeah. especially when you lose somebody like a mother or a child or a sibling or a father, grandparent, like 
you know, those bonds that cannot be replaced. It's like mm -hmm. you need love. We all need love. Mm. So yeah. I, I I believe that's why that's why I came up here. So I'm actually I was actually glad that um that you even asked. I'm like, yo, that is dope. So I think let me tell you that too. Before I'm glad you even asked me that question. So I wouldn't forget to tell you that. I think this what you're doing is extremely dope. Um so it's much. funny Thank because you're welcome. It's funny because I had actually, and I'm still working on it, but like the year after my mom passed, I came up with an idea for an app, right? Because for me, it was like, I wish there was a place I could go to, to mm -hmm. be around people that experience what I experienced and were making their yeah. way through it, that mm -hmm. we could kind of be like a community for each other to like, you yeah. know, wrap like, you know, wrap our arms around each other and give each other that love that we needed to be filled that we needed to fill and kind of attempt to fill voids that we needed filled. And so right. when I heard about this, I was like, oh, nah, this is dope. Yeah, I would definitely love to be a part of it. And I definitely want to, you know, see see what it is that, you know, you're going to bring not just out of me, but, you know, out of the podcast period. So I'm, I'm excited for you to drop. I'll probably listen to, not probably, I'm going to listen to every episode just to oh. hear because, you know, you, I'm going to get, definitely going to get a different feel or something from everybody. Right. And so I may I may hear something that helps really push me through the grief all the way. Right. So, yeah, yeah I think this is extremely dope and you deserve a round of applause for this. Like, I'm not even going to lie. You deserve a round of applause. And I hope that this podcast is just confirmation that you need to do that. I need you to do that. So we all, we going to talk about it. But I want to thank you so much for being here and just for just being so candid so open so free with me over this past i guess like 50 some minutes mm -hmm. i appreciate it so much and i am just super excited to see what you continue to do and now that we're friends because i'm calling you my friend now i'm gonna make sure that you do the app because you don't got no choice but <laughs> i want to also thank y'all for listening to another episode of damn mom really the podcast that nobody wants to be on and everybody wants to listen to i will see you guys in 10 days if you enjoyed this episode please feel free to leave us a review and a comment it's super super helpful to us and as promised there's a relaxing cool down slash guided meditation by liliana rasmussen coming up in five four three two Welcome to this guided meditation session to create a safe place for you. Chronic pain can be very hard to handle, but many times when we create a mental image of our suffering, we tend to aggravate this pain, thus increasing it. Then every time we feel this sensation, we will have a negative thought attached to it on a conscious and subconscious level. So what this meditation will teach you are techniques to change the mental image that has been created from this pain and instead implement a peaceful association with pleasant visualizations that create a warmer bonding between you and your body's sensations. This allows you to accept and allow instead of fight and push away. Make sure you're in a very comfortable position. Sit down or lay down if that feels good for you, however you need to position yourself so that none of your muscles are activated or tense. Every part of your body can rest and feel completely relaxed during this meditation. Begin by taking five deep breaths to relax even more. One, full breath in and let it go. Two, fully inhale and exhale. Three, breathe in as much as you can and let it go, feeling a wave of relaxation come over you. Four, Inhale deeply 
and exhale, feeling invigorated. Five, last one, fully inhale, and exhale, feeling any tension loosen up and your body feeling extremely relaxed. Good. And just allow your breath to slow and flow naturally now. Don't try to change anything about it. Just notice the calmness that these five breaths gifted you. Notice how your body breathes without you doing anything at all. Begin to feel any sensations that you associate with your pain. Bring them into your awareness and allow these feelings to multiply. You're completely safe and secure. It's okay to allow these sensations to arise. They will not harm you. Put all of your focus on these areas. Really feel their exact position and the quality of the sensations. What's the pain like for you? Is it stinging, tingling, or burning? Perhaps it's like something else. In your mind, describe every detail and then sit with it. Be entirely with it while it presents itself. Don't do anything about it except feel it. Allow the sensations to grow and don't stop them. Just see what they do. Notice the details of changes the sensations make. Good, you're doing so well. Now switch your focus and bring into your mind's eye a visual of a place you love to go or have been to that is very serene and peaceful for you. It could be an imaginary place like on top of a gorgeous mountain or somewhere you frequently go like a nearby nature path. Your favorite place could be as simple as your warm cozy bed next to a loved one. Wherever this place is for you, see it vividly right now. Start by visualizing all the physical aspects of this place. Where are you? What do you see when you look up? If you're outside, it could be the sky. If you're in a safe room somewhere, it could be the ceiling. Notice everything you see when you look up. Now look down and at your feet. What does the ground look like below you? Gaze all around this favorite place of yours, making the colors bright and vivid. Make out even more details now, like the leaves on the trees and plants or the things that are placed around the room. Do you notice any patterns anywhere? They could be patterns in nature, like the way things grow or the patterns of fabrics and objects in a room. Notice every pattern you can find in great detail. The more details you can imagine, the better. How dark or light out is it? What time of the day do you think it is? And make a judgment about the placement of the sun in the sky. Which way is the light of the sun coming into your imagination? Look at all of the beautiful things that make this place so enjoyable for you. Use your visual creativity of this place for the next several moments. Nice. Now you are going to bring about the sensations this beautiful spot offers. Start by tapping your feet on the ground. Is the surface hard or soft? Feel the ground below you here with your feet, noticing anything you can about it. Become aware of the temperature in this place. Is it cool or warm or hot? Is there a breeze blowing or is the air calm and still? Can you feel the sun on your skin? Sit with these sensations for a few moments and enjoy them. Are there any smells here? If you're imagining the beach, maybe you can smell the salty air, or if you're in a forest, the smell of nature. Just notice how your sense of smell can create sensations of aromas for you when you put your mind to it. What about sounds? Bring fully into this experience any sounds that surround you here. Perhaps you hear a loved one nearby. Perhaps you're alone and you can hear the sounds that nature creates for you. Vividly hear any sounds in this experience. Sit with these senses activated for a few moments and begin to interact with your environment. Great. To relax even further, become aware of what you're doing here. Are you sitting down and relaxing or walking around and exploring? 
Are you doing exactly what you love and want to do? See yourself being completely relaxed and happy here. There's no need to do anything here but relax and enjoy it. Be assured that this place is always here for you to keep you safe if you need to flee from pain. Take another slow and deep breath in. And as you exhale, you feel at complete peace with yourself and all the sensations in your body. As I speak these words to you, you are changing the mental images associated with your pain. Whenever you feel overwhelmed by the sensations in your body, repeat this exercise to accept the pain and change the thoughts associated with it. When you use this technique, you will stop the pain from becoming aggravated and growing stronger. When you vividly visualize a safe and peaceful place in moments of distress, you are slowing down your pulse and blood pressure, creating a peaceful and strong connection to your body and mind. Allow yourself to slowly become aware of your surroundings, and whenever you are ready, open your eyes, ready to go about your day peacefully.